and minimalists. <laughs> Live from the Inmore Theater, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists live in Sydney! <laughs> Oh, wait till Perth and Brisbane hear that. (laughs) Holy shit, there are a lot of people here. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. I believe we have a microphone right here. I know we'll be able to get to at least four, maybe five questions if we can be pithy enough, which we usually aren't, but we'll try our best to get to to four or five. Man, we, uh, I remember last time we were in Australia, it was four years ago, and uh, it was the end of this crazy hundred city tour. We finished in Perth last time. And uh, Ryan got food poisoning in Perth, and we had a 54-hour flight back to the United States. Um, it was quite the adventure. Yeah, Perth was much more fun this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for being here tonight. We're here to answer some questions for you. We're really grateful you decided to spend a few hours with us this evening. Howdy, what's your name? And where are you from? I'm Amy. I'm from the Blue Mountains at the moment. Um, I'm a little you can get closer to the mic. That way we can hear you. Thank you. I'm a little nervous. I didn't want to go first. But, but here you well, are. Thank you for going yeah, first. And now you know how we feel. Okay. <laughs> um, I've got, there's a little bit of a backstory. Um, very inspired. Thank you very much for everything. And especially for coming to Sydney today. My husband and I leave on an 18-month journey in two days' time. And so when I saw that you were here on the 13th of March, it was like a fate that we needed to come. Congratulations. So, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I listening to podcasts. I only just started five months ago because I didn't know what a podcast was. <laughs> um, until my friend downloaded the app and said, if you love them so much, listen to them. So I've, she said watching the documentary 70 times was a bit overkill. I should start listening to more. Um, so well, well, How can we help? Um, so listening to them I've figured out that I grew up as a pack rat um, and then my parents are beautiful people but they are kind of hoarders although they call themselves collectors Um, so that's the environment I grew up in I five years ago our house got broken into and I realized that was a trigger but I only realized that I started hoarding five years ago about five months ago I only realized that that triggered my hoarding to start and it was pretty bad. We had two kids, and I just felt that it wasn't fair for them or my husband to live with crap, like the extent that it was getting to. So we um, went on a big trip and decided to do a huge trek around Australia. So in doing that, we decided we'd sell our house. So it had to start being moved. And then I, the documentary popped up on Netflix. And There will be a question mark here eventually, right? <laughs> yes. So two, and a half, two years ago, we started, I started this massive job to get down. Our house is about 300 square metres. We sold that and moved into a rental that's about uh, 130 square metres. And in two days, we depart in a van that is 13 square metres. So wow. Congratulations. You've, in, you've inspired me to go from a house full to this. That is and awesome. my question is that in these last three or four days, like I have sold and gotten rid of more than I ever imagined 
and only because you guys inspired me to feel like I could let go. Um, but now I'm getting anxious that I'm not getting rid of enough quick enough and we leave in two days and like there's not much left and I feel like we've kept 16 boxes and that's too much but the anxiety is there that I felt like I should have achieved more and it's slow. Still haven't reached a question mark. <laughs> I really appreciate you being here but I do want to be respectful of the people behind you what, as well and answer their questions. Like that anxiety about having got rid of so much but still feel like that's not enough. How do I deal with that? So, you have 16 boxes left. Uh, what's your plan with the 16 boxes? Uh, hopefully to go through them when we get back and get rid of it all. But okay, so, so you're going to keep them in storage? Uh, in my parents' spare room. Okay. Oh, um, I, I don't know why you're stressing about 16 boxes. I, th I think what's happened is that you, you have started this minimalism journey, and um, you've become uh, uh, addicted to the feeling of letting go, maybe? Um, but, but ultimately, uh, there is a point where you do have to stop letting go. <laughs> um, I, I will say that, that stress and anxiety, I think they are precursors to maybe some deeper things that, that are going on, or maybe there are some surface things going on. Um, th that is really only you're, you're going to know that, but really try and look at where is that angst coming from? Is it the angst of, is it really the angst of, oh, I haven't let enough go long enough? If you've got 16 boxes and your parents are going to hold on to them for you, I, I give you permission to let the angst go. Yeah, but I, really, the only permission you need is yourself. It's from yourself. Um, I, I just want to say congratulations and acknowledge you for the, the, the distance that you've come. You, you're already 98% of the way there. And um, I agree with Ryan. You do eventually have to stop letting go, but the one thing that you want to continue to hold on to is the willingness to let go. And I found that for me, the things that are appropriate for my life today at age 36, they may not be appropriate when I'm 40 or 45 or 50. And so I need to be willing to let go of those things, even if I once upon a time got value in them. We often get caught up and say, the past equals the future. The things that I, I really found valuable when I was four years old and I was playing with G.I. Joes or whatever, if I was still playing with them today, then you all would judge me. <laughs> and I think the same is true with us as adults. We have our own toys. They, they just look more impressive to you know, the, the social world. And the other thing I'll say is that anxiety is a low-level fear. That, that's all it really is. We, we often uh, will often say that I'm anxious or uh, a lot of type A guys in here, they, they, they will tell you they're stressed. I'm really stressed. It just means I'm afraid. And, 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 and so, yeah, I think instead of saying I feel anxious, maybe ask yourself the question. You're not going to have the answer to this today. You're not going to have it tomorrow. It may take you a week, two weeks, two months, two years to figure out what am I afraid of? Because here's the cool thing. There are two types of fear. There are the, the, the ones that are actually valid. You know, the, b being afraid of, of skydiving, that's a valid fear because you might die, right? But right now we get afraid because the stock market dipped one-tenth of one percent in a day, and we have the same sort of flinch response. And so when you ask yourself, what am I afraid of, it'll help you quantify, is this a legitimate fear? Or is it a fear that someone else has projected onto me? Yeah, I would say too, if you, like right now, when you think about the 16 boxes, can you list everything that's in them? Or, or you're waiting to go through them? About, I only just packed them, so about half of it I can remember. Okay, I mean, so that's a very clear sign on how important this stuff really is. Yeah. 
And when you get back, it'll be way less than half that you'll I know, remember. I I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. My kids are letting go too, which is awesome. That is awesome. So, Congratulations. Congrats thank on you the for your question. journey. Best of luck. Thank you. Yeah. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Uh, I live fairly locally. And uh, I am the queen of Just In Case. And the thing is that sometimes the Just In Case is really valuable. And like one example is I went to a songwriting workshop and it was six hours up in the mountains and I had my songwriting bag and then I had my just in case bag and it had spare batteries and spare pens and sunscreen and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. And in those six hours, like somebody's keyboard stopped working and I said, oh, what kind of batteries does it use? And I had the right ones and then somebody needed sunscreen and somebody needed spare pens. So where is the balance between just in case and uh, being useful? And I know you've got the 2020 rule, but But you know, we would have lost an hour. (laughs) Maybe, Uh, but here's the thing. So you could go to the local convenience store and you could buy one of everything just in case, right? And then, yeah, you would have even more things for other people to use. Uh, But I think the truth is we need to be able to delineate between just in case. So you all know, I think, just in case, the three most dangerous words in the English language. Here are three useful words for you, though. Just for when. How many of you go out and buy your toilet paper one sheet at a time? (laughs) Well, no, because you know you're going to use it eventually, right? And so you buy four rolls or eight rolls or... 16 or whatever, whatever they do. In America, we buy like pallets of toilet paper. Um, it's the only way you can buy it in It's because we're full of shit. <laughs> God, that is so true. <laughs> and, and the truth is, we buy that because just for when. We know we're going to use it. And so maybe here's another rule for you. It's not the, tw- the, the just-in-case rule, but there's a 90-90 rule that works out really well for me. It may not be 90-90 for you. So have I used this item in the last 90 days? And if not, am I going to use it in the next 90 days? And a lot of times consumables like batteries or toilet paper, they, I know that yes, of course I've used toilet paper in the last 90 days. Um, and I'm going to use many of these things within the next 90 days. And if not, I give myself permission to let go. Yeah, I mean, when I'm on an airplane, I'm glad they got life vests and they got you know things that we can use in case of emergencies. We lived in Montana and the winters around there, they get dangerous and you've got to be prepared if something happens. Um, you know, hopefully we never have to use any of those things, but I think there certainly are, are things that, that we should prepare for. I, I love the 90-90 rule with your, your friend's stuff because you can look at that sunscreen specifically and be like, oh, have, has anyone needed this in the last, has this saved anyone's, you know, time or energy? Like in the last 90 days, have I had to give this to anyone? Am I going to do this in the next 90 days? Maybe it's six, six months, six months. That's okay, too. Whatever the rule is, I think implementing stuff like that is what's going to help you keep that, those things to a minimum. Because ultimately, you could look at it and say, well, I've got this bag of sunscreen and pens and batteries, but someone really needed oil paints. I'm going to bring oil paints next time. <laughs> and then you're going you're gonna to go from a car to like a box truck that you've got all these just-in-case items. I mean, I'm just taking You're giving her a great business idea right yeah. now, actually. <laughs> a mobile convenience store. Exactly. Dot com. So, and I know, I know you don't want to do that, but, that is, but constantly thinking in that direction without any boundaries, without any limits, um, just don't go end up in a box truck selling convenience store items. 
<laughs> Thanks for the question. Thank you. All right, real quick before we move on, if folks are listening to this at home, you can give us a call and uh, if you have any advice for anyone who's asking a question today, uh, it's my favorite part of the show. At the very end, we have other people's advice, recommendations, tips, and snarky remarks. Uh, you can give us a call, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com, and we'll air your comments and tips on a future episode. Ryan, what time is it? It is time for the lightning round. Yes, indeed. So we, uh, we usually answer questions from social media, and uh, we give you really pithy answers. We call them minimal maxims. You can find all our minimal maxims at minimalmaxims.com, but because we have to sort of formulate it here in front of you, we'll just ramble a bit until we get to something pithy. Howdy, what's your name? My name's Adelaide, and I'm from Sydney. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this happens it's sometimes. We, we were in Texas recently, and like, oh, I'm Dallas from Austin. <laughs> That's great. It's hey, true. Adelaide. Um, and I'm very excited that you guys are in Sydney, so thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Um, I've written my question down. Awesome. That's beautiful. Thank you. So um, I've actually just graduated uni, so I'm feeling a little bit of pressure about where to go next. So my question is, how do you find the courage to step into what you're passionate about and stop making excuses? It's a great question. You can totally clap for it if you want. <laughs> Well, I, I think that uh, you're putting too much pressure on yourself, meaning um, you don't have to just step out of university and go right into uh, doing something that is going to be, that you're going to be passionate about for the rest of your life. Um, in fact, that might actually not be the best approach. And I, I'm only speaking from my own experience. So when I think about how Josh and I, when we started The Minimalists, we did not just quit our jobs and start a blog. That's horrible advice. <laughs> um, what we did is we, we were like, oh yeah, we've got this story we want to tell. Let's see if um, we can tell it and how well we can tell it. And uh, we, we came up with theminimalists.com and didn't really have any expectation. And we did all that while we were still working in the corporate world. And uh, we spent some time on it, uh, don't get me wrong, but it's, we did not make this our full-time full thing. As time went on and, and as we were writing more, then it required more and more attention. And then uh, you know, eventually uh, Josh laid himself off and then I got laid off. Um, <laughs> and then we were forced into doing our passion. But there was, this, there was a, about a two-year period from, you know, from Josh's mom passing away, uh, you know, to, to me asking him, you know, why the hell are you so happy? There is a two-year period that we were uh, cultivating this passion that I didn't even realize it was going to ever be like this. Um, I, we, we were doing it because it was interesting. Um, we were learning a lot of lessons. Uh, we felt like, oh man, we got stories here. Like, we, we want to tell our story like everyone else's. And after a while, uh, yes, like now we can which just blows my mind that like so many people show up. This is, this isn't, we will never take this for granted. And, and uh, I guess what I would encourage you to do is, is be smart about what you're going to get into. And what I mean by that is don't get into a job that doesn't align with your values and beliefs just so you can pay off your uni loans. Like definitely don't do that. But what's your degree in? Uh, film. Film? Okay. So as a film degree, you, you probably, with a film degree, you're probably not going to get out and make a hit film like right out of uni. That's okay. You're going to have to go get some experience and, and work with some companies. 
Um, but, but as long as it is, it is serving your, your, your passion that you want to cultivate, I, I think that that's a good thing. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Like, let's say you, I mean, literally, if you got to pay the bills and go work at McDonald's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, we would never judge anyone for what, whatever job they had, especially if they were trying to keep food on their table. But if that is the case, then make sure you're choosing a job, again, that aligns with your values and beliefs, and that will at least give you some time during the week to focus on your, on your passionate work. Very similar to what, to what Josh and I did. It's one recipe. I hope there's an ingredient there for you. Yeah. What, yeah. What, are you what are you afraid of? Um, that it will fail. I yeah. sort of know where I want to go, but I just feel like... I can't do it. I don't yeah, know. The, the pro, no, and so here's some good news for you. The problem for you right now is you haven't failed enough. Yeah. And, and you're going to fail a lot coming up, and that's, that's a good thing because here's my pithy answer for you. Uh, courage is birthed from repeated failure. And, and so if you really want to build up the courage, here's a, here, here is a synonym for courage, calluses. Right, you need these these metaphorical lifetime calluses, and you, the way you build those up is is through failing. I mean, you saw Ryan and I get up here, and people tend to think that we're decent public speakers now, and and the only reason that we're half good at it is because I failed so many times and bombed so many times, and also I was willing to put in the work. Here's something else for you. You you're. Are your parents supportive of, of you being a filmmaker? Yes. Oh, they're here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're 21, 22? Uh, 23. Okay. So, so your parents didn't bust their ass for 23 years to raise you so that you could go do something that you hate. That's something else that's pithy, too. And, and, and one more thing for you. And this will help guide you through your failures. Go help other people solve their problems. Because if you help other people solve their problems, not only will it be rewarding to you intrinsically, but you'll find a way to make money doing it too. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Thank that you. Was amazing. All right. I will, I will keep it pithy this time. I totally <laughs> forgot that it was the lightning round. <laughs> Hey, Twitter did up their characters, though. <laughs> 280,000 characters. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you uh, from? I'm Gillette from Mandarin, Western Australia. Well, thank you for being here. Um, my question is... You came you... from Perth, basically, right? Yeah, I did. We flew over on Thursday for oh, you. Oh, thank you. Um, my question is, uh, what are your thoughts on convenience? Because it seems like my life is sort of going around because we're doing things that are always convenient to us and not necessarily what we need. I think we're addicted to convenience now. And I think uh, I don't want to go back in time to pre-modern era. And I find a lot of value and a lot of tools that add immense convenience to my life. Um, if, I, if I come up with something that's pithy, it's going to be something like um, when you reduce too much friction, you also lose traction. Ooh. <laughs> and, and so I want the appropriate amount of friction in my life so that I can have enough friction to move forward, meaning I will go out of my way to actually do some things that are inconvenient for me. I'll give you an example, I don't have email on my phone. 
email on my phone is convenient. In fact, it makes me want to put my head through a wall sometimes where I'm like, shit, I didn't bring my computer and how am I going to get it? But those little moments of friction also give me the appropriate amount of traction that I need to have a better day and also not be interrupted by someone else's emergency. You were here yeah. before the, the VIP yeah. event beforehand, right? So we were having a little conversation with the kind folks in, in the front row who paid more money to be here early. Um, and uh, we were having this conversation uh, about the, well, the busyness of life. And quite often what we're doing with all of these conveniences is we're letting other people create our to-do list. Someone else's to-do list is now becoming my to-do list because I'm constantly saying yes to all these emails that are coming in. And that's why I remove that convenience from my life. Yeah, I, I think... Uh Speaking to the good side of conveniences, I mean, like living in a place like Los Angeles, it is a city of access because it is so convenient. And I, I think that uh, in a city like that, it's almost easier to be a minimalist because of, of the access to everything. But what I'll say uh, is, is, like, there is a, uh, there's an app you can order food on your phone. Like Josh, is, he refuses to do that. And, and, and like, he, he cuts that out, and that's great. Um, there, there, are, there are things that, that I cut out so I can, well, essentially uh, be more creative and, and, and stop being uh, so passive. So I, I guess the, 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 the tweetable answer would be uh, limitations breeds creativity. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, in a second, I know we'll be able to get to one more. I want to apologize to the other folks who are in line, but I want to thank you for being here. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's move on real quick to our added value segment of the show, because uh, whenever we're in a town, we like to experience the town, even if we're just here for a couple days like we are this time. We find good coffee, we find museums, we find good places to eat, or at least we try, and, uh, and sometimes we fail. <laughs> um, we failed in Perth and Brisbane. Um, but <laughs> that's not... Just to be clear, that's not because of the city. That's because of our own American ineptitude. Yeah. Um, but um, we, we've been here for uh, about 24 hours now, maybe a little bit longer. And, yeah. And what have you found value in here in Sydney, right? Well, it's crazy. Like, we were, Jess, uh, Mariah, and I were walking around last night, and we found this, like, super underground venue with this band playing. It's called the Sydney Opera House. <laughs> Have any of you guys heard of that? Oh my God. It's serious. We were here in Sydney last time. Uh, I'm not recommending that. That, it, that was a legit joke. But I will say it's the first time I actually did get to see the, uh, the Opera House. And God, that is freaking awesome. But uh, no, so we, we have a recommendation. Um, that well, at least for, one from or the two. both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you guys heard of umbrellas? <laughs> 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 Kept me dry all day. Um, no, so, so in Los Angeles, I, 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 there's a good chance if you go to Los Angeles and you want to find me, you go to a place called Paramount Coffee Project in West Hollywood, and it all started here in Sydney. And so, like, my favorite coffee shop happened to be sort of just manifested here in front of us, and so uh, we had a great meal and coffee there. So for those of you who haven't hung out at PCP, 
please check it Unbelievable. out. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's really, really truly good. truly amazing. And the staff is great. The food is great. The coffee is great. It is like the essence of Sydney. And the only reason I know is everyone who works at the one in L.A. all are like, they all have Australian accents. I don't know if they're legitimate or not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're, they're, all from, they're all from here. So my, it turns out my favorite food is Australian food. <laughs> <laughs> I love those baked beans for breakfast. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right, I believe we had one last question here. Uh, we saved the best for last. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, my name is Jasmine. Hey, Jasmine. Thanks for being here. Where are you from? Oh, I just stood here for like 20 minutes going, why am I standing here on my own? <laughs> I'm from Asquith. Uh, well, thank you for being here. You can get closer thank to you. that mic. Oh, it's a little down. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I'm not as short as I thought I was. Excellent. That seems like some sort of existential statement there. <laughs> she gave her pithy answer first. Now we have to come up with a question. Oh, my goodness. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> no, um, I'm an INFJ, so I like to think that I'm the perfect hybrid. I could be the third minimalist, but I don't have the hair. <laughs> she has the personality of everyone I've ever dated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm triggered right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I kid, I kid. Unless it's Bex, then that's fine. No, she's an INTJ, and oh. that's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so for, the, for, you, for, for those of you who are like, what the hell is an INFJ, um, which is probably three-fourths of the room, uh, there's a personality test called Myers-Briggs, and uh, the reason that we found it to be so useful is it helps you identify one of 16 personality traits, their types that you are, based on these four different indicators. You're an introvert or extrovert, you're feeling or thinking, um, you are in the moment or planning, or, or you're sensing or, 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 or um, what's the other one? You're, you're sensing or... Feeling? Yeah, no, no, we've already done that. <laughs> anyway, the point is that you learn more about yourself so you can learn how to better interact with other people. So one of my values is I really enjoy helping people. So I'm currently studying a degree in nutrition and I want to work in hospitals with cancer patients. But what I find is as I'm always wanting to help people, I find people tend to take advantage of that. And I wanted to know if you had any advice for someone who just constantly wants to help people but can't say no. Well, I'll give you a pithy answer first and then I'll unpack it, even though this isn't the lightning round. Uh, you you can't be used unless you're useful. <laughs> um, and, and so yes. I like to reframe it a little bit and realize one thing is, oh shit, people are trying to take advantage of me because they actually find me useful. And that's a good thing because the other problem is I'm not useful at all. And then we're asking how can I become more useful to other people, right? And, and so I think one of the things that we have to figure out is what those boundaries are, right? And the, the way that we, we do that is we get good at saying no. And and you kind of have to try it out a little bit. And you have to figure out first what the boundaries are for you. Like, I'm willing to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm not going to do A, B, and C. And sometimes it's so easy to let it bleed over. You're like, well, yeah, I already did this, this, and this. We've built a really great rapport with each other. Yeah, I could do one more thing for this person. I can help them out in this way. But here's the problem with that. When you say yes to one more thing, all of a sudden you're saying no to this other thing over here. You can help someone else who truly needs the help. And so you have to figure out, I'm helping someone. Do they need the help? Because here's the other, the, the other side of that. You can, you can drag them kicking and screaming to success, 
but neither one of you win. That's pithy too. Oh, I, I let people take advantage of me all the time. Um, I, <laughs> I really should take Josh's advice here. No, you know, um, I, with, with friends, with family, with, with strangers, with anyone, like if someone is asking for a handout, um, I usually will give it to them um, once. And, I, but, and then I will say no after that first time. So I'm just curious, are you talking about, are these people um, in the field that you're coming across on a regular basis or are they're coming back constantly? Yeah. That is difficult, especially like, when I think about my mom being on, uh, oh wait, this is on Patreon, so I can totally talk. She's, I don't think she's a Patreon subscriber. Um, when I think about her being... I think you subscribe to her Patreon. Yeah, right. I, yeah. Um, when, when I think about her being on f- like food stamps and in the States we have this uh, WIC where they like deliver milk and cheese and like some food to your door. Um, well, at least when I was a kid they did that. They don't do it anymore. But my, the point is, is that watching her get that, that assistance and then watching her uh, deal with alcohol and drugs... I can like to me it was frustrating to be like why are you, why are we getting anything because you're you're being irresponsible but we're getting these handouts um, the way I, the way I look at like her situation specifically um, she's doing much better today uh, she she has she she has she is not nearly where she was um, when I was you know in junior high when the SWAT team was kicking in our door. Um, when I look at my mom, there are so many things that I, I just want to, um, I just want to tell her no. But ultimately, I know that she's, she's fighting her own battle, uh, many battles. And even though I see my mom one way, like I really don't know what's going on in here. I think I can tell what's going on in here. Um, but, but ultimately, I apply that to other people who uh, maybe, they are, maybe they are taking advantage of me multiple times. Um, I, do, I do sometimes give them the benefit of the doubt because I truly don't understand the struggles that they have. In your situation, if it's your job to give these people handouts and they keep coming to you for handouts, it's your job to give them the handouts. And, and, and in that case, um, I, I, would, I would really look at, look at them and... and, and, and Except that maybe they're fighting their own battles that maybe you just don't understand. And, and if you have the authority to say yes and no to people, um, then yeah, you've got to come up with some rules to be able to say yes and no because yeah, you can't say yes to anyone. But if, if your job is to just people come in, you do your job, they leave, then um, I, I, would, I would look at yourself as being very useful. And that, that is a good thing. I, I also think that, that you, if it's part of your role to dish out handouts or to contribute in some way, then we need to be responsible with that contribution, right? Because it's a, it is a finite resource. Your time is, is a finite resource, right? And it's actually irresponsible for you to use it to continue to give it someone who doesn't need the help when there are other people who do need the help. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. All right, now, you know, Ryan, I, I was thinking about, about her question here as, as you were answering about you know, responsibility and, and contribution. And to me, it's, 
it's the thing that makes me feel most alive. I mean, that and love are, are really the two things that, that are, are the meaning of life for me. And I think that we can get jaded when, and this is just to sort of a pin the answer I was already giving, uh, I think we can get jaded r- really quickly when we feel like we're being used because we don't feel like we're being loved when we're being used. And so I think sometimes it requires that communication because I, I don't think often when people are, are taking advantage of us, they often don't realize that they're taking advantage of us. And they don't notice that they're being either passive aggressive or they're asking for things that are inappropriate, uh, which includes your time. Or maybe, just maybe, they don't understand what your needs are or what the needs of other people are. And so we have to be good stewards of how we contribute as well. Yeah. Over, over the last few years, Ryan and I have had the opportunity to build a couple orphanages and, and to do a bunch of different charitable things that we have the privilege to do now, right? We have more resources now and it allows us to be able to, instead of you know, buy a, a Ferrari or whatever, um, I get the opportunity to contribute beyond myself. But with that also comes with the responsibility of, is this the best way for me to contribute? And so I think you've got to ask yourself that question as well. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to add to that question too is when you do decide that yes, I am, I'm going to give. It took me a while uh, to where I got to the point where what, when I give now, like I don't expect anything back. And I used to, um, especially in the corporate world, because when you give a customer something, you expect business. Um, but there were a lot of times when I gave stuff and I expected things back. And I'll tell you, living my life that way, where I give as much as I can without that expectation, well, A, uh, it comes back uh, somehow, some way. Um, and B, man, if I don't have that expectation, then it makes my life a lot easier. Well, I uh, want to thank a couple folks real quick before, before we end this all. First off, I want to thank the Inmore Theater for having us here tonight. Let's give them a round of applause. It's, we've come a long way. Seven years ago when we had our first tour, we would have two to six people show up on a, on a really great night and we'd sleep on someone's floor that night and then get up and do it all over again the next day. And we're really grateful you decided to spend this time with us. If you're listening to us at home, I want to say thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. You keep the podcast 100% advertisement free and you help us support the new studio that we've built. And also eventually we're going to be doing a video version of the podcast as well and chopping it up into more video creations for you all to be able to share and and find uh, hopefully some meaning in. And if you all leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for your time, y'all. Sydney, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you. The Minimalists.